Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. I am a Christian. 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 So we're going to start our service today with those. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do, a little crowd participation. Uh, so read the first four words, I am a Christian with me, and I'll take it from there. Sound good? Yes. Half of y'all? All right, I'm just going to talk over here today. All right. No, so we'll start with this. I am a Christian who... Are we going to start over? Ready? All right, look, y'all help me out. You went to grade school too. Here we go. Ready? I am a Christian who connects with God daily through prayer. I am a Christian who grows by reading, God's, or by reading the Bible and by gathering with God's people. I am a Christian who serves in my church and my community. I am a Christian who shares my faith and resources generously. I am a Christian who exists to give people an opportunity for a better life through Christ. And as Pastor Jeff would say, if reading through that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Amen? Amen. That's a powerful way to start your day, and I hope you are. Uh, I, uh, I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this series. Uh, and I'm privileged and honored to be able to kind of speak in his absence today. We are still praying for him. And uh, so, as Carly said in our announcement video, uh, we're having an event coming up. It's called the Impact Team event. And maybe you're here and you're wondering what that is. What's an Impact Team? Uh, so, Impact Team is our volunteers. It's everyone who serves here at SCC, from from the drums to the media booth to to the nursery rocking babies uh, to driving you around in the parking lot. Whatever it is, that is called the Impact Team. And maybe you're wondering, well, why do we? Why do we use that phrase? Why, why do we say impact? And the reason we do that is because we believe that when you serve others, you make an impact in their lives and in their hearts. Most of us can think back to a time when other people served us, and maybe it was when you were young, and you remember back to that later, or you, you kind of recall that later in life, and it still has an impact on you. And... Um, you know, there's some people in this room right now that, that I could say that about. And I could say, you know, that person left an impact on my life. I want to tell you a story about one person. So growing up in the Atlanta area, I spent a lot of time during the summers as a kid going to Six Flags. Can anybody else, you know, kind of, kind of get on board with that? But after so many years of going to Six Flags, you want to do something different. You're like, I want to go somewhere else. So it worked out great that when I was in youth group, Pastor Chesney was our youth pastor. Uh, when I was in the youth group in middle school, so over 20 years ago, um, we were going to a big youth conference. They had all the big time uh, youth speakers and, and, and modern worship bands and all that was going to be there. And uh, we were also going to Universal Studios. Not that that had any reason, you know, that I wanted to go, but I had never been there and I always wanted to go. And so... Here's what awful thing happened, okay? Now, I don't have to explain to you exactly how terrible a stomach virus is, okay? A stomach bug is that you are praying for God to come back or take you now most of that time, okay? And I'm not going to get graphic with it because you know, okay? You, you know exactly how bad it can be. But there was one volunteer that when I got sick upon arriving at the gates of Universal Studios, I could see it. I was right there. It was beautiful. I had my ticket in my hand. It was... 
Even today, I'm like hurt by that. If you think about, you know, like I didn't realize last service how much I was still feeling that. <laughs> I will have you know I've gone as an adult, but but uh, but one youth volunteer particularly, his name was Ricky. He would go on years later to be a youth pastor here in our church for many many years, and now he's actually leading his own church. Uh, he volunteered to stay with me. Now, if you know him, he was the most fun-loving guy. He wanted to ride every roller coaster 12 times, like until he got sick himself. Like he wanted to do all those things. But instead, he volunteered to, get, to hop in a cab with me and take me back to the hotel so that I could kind of sleep off whatever was going on with my stomach. And I did that for the next three days. It was awful. It was all, he stayed with me every minute of every day. Now, when, when times got the worst, he would go into the next room in the hotel, but, but, but he stayed with me and he cared for me. And I want you to know that over 20 years later, that has left an impact on my life. And I cannot, I cannot overstate, the, that may very well have been one of the seeds that, that planted to grow me into who I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. And maybe you have stories that you can remember of people who invested in you or people who took time with you, people who loved you, people who cared for you when you were kind of in your formative years. And, and as a middle schooler, I had no idea how profound that was. But later on, it would come back and come back and come back and come back. And I would just always remember the impact that he left on my life. Pastor Chesney even says she can remember it like it was yesterday. She said, it was the saddest thing ever. My little face, my, well, I don't know how little it was, but my middle school face in that taxi cab when the car was pulling away and I was just looking at that sign like, you know, it was just so sad, I was heartbroken. But somebody was willing to serve me in my time of need and it made a, a huge impact. So now that you kind of have an idea, we've established what an impact is, we need to kind of talk about our, our title for today, and, and that's where can I make an impact? Like, you got to take it beyond this stage. Where can I? And I wanted it to say I so that it would be more personal to you because it's so personal to me. And here's what I know is that making an impact often means you're following God's will for you. And one of the things that happened is, and it's so appropriate that, I'm, that I had the chance to speak today and I'm about to give you the passage. I'm about to share with you the verse that I am because uh, last week I celebrated six years of working in the ministry and it was such a wonderful thing, such a blessing. You, I wasn't fishing, I promise I wasn't fishing, but, but, but thank you so much for that. I'm honored by that. But Here's what's so great is Pastor Chesney asked me, she said, well, she kind of told me, but she asked me, hey, I need you to speak at this youth service this night. And I was like, Did it say what? You know, it just blew my mind. But this is the verse that that message was centered on. My first message was this. Colossians 3.23, we were talking to the students about what God's will was and how they could find that. And it simply says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whether you are scrubbing a toilet at home and none of your family cares about the efforts and the hard work and the labor that you are putting into it, you ain't doing it for them, do it for the Lord. Amen? Because he has given you those hands to serve and to make a difference, whether anybody else appreciates it or not. All right. The, what I love so much about this passage is that, and the theme of that youth service and that series was that God's will can be whatever. It can be whatever as long as it's done God's way. 
And that's what I'm hoping you get from today. So the heading that I have right before point one says, three places I can make an impact. That's what I wanna zone in on today. And the first one is if you'll write this down, in my home and family. So that's the first. If it doesn't start there, it's not gonna flow elsewhere. It's gotta start in your home and in your family. You know, we talked earlier and you guys didn't do that good at first. I'll just be honest when I was getting you to repeat after me, you just, you just didn't do that well. But, but, you, but you did better, you, did, you picked it up. But you know, when you're a kid, you learn follow the leader, right? Like you have the line leader in school, you know, and, and the teacher's pets, never me, was the line leader and you walk, you, you go somewhere. You know, we learn follow the leader and then, you know, there's also that old expression, monkey see, monkey do. You know, people will do what the people they look, look up to do. More recently as an adult, I've heard Pastor Jeff and so of you say this countless times, more is caught than taught. People that look up to you will replicate what you do. And if that's true, it is so vital that we get this right at home. I want to share this passage with you in the Old Testament just before Joshua died. Okay, you, you may recall Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, tumbled the walls. He kind of took over the mantle after, uh, after Moses. And on his deathbed, he kind of makes a proclamation and he renews God's covenant and renews God's law. And he kind of winds it down with this in verse 15. He's speaking to people who have, yes, they knew the way. Yes, they followed the way, but they've kind of strayed a little bit. They've kind of strayed a little bit. Maybe that's you today. It's been me before. It's okay. It's okay to be there. It's just not okay to stay there. This is what Joshua said. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What I love so much about that passage, what I absolutely love so much about that passage is that he says, as for me and my household, he doesn't just say for, as for me. What's crazy though is the entire Bible, you'll never see a reference to Joshua having a family or being married or having kids. But if you're a parent, or even if you're not, if you're married, or even if you're not and you got nieces and nephews, you get that this is coming from the heart of a family man. Amen. As for me and mine, you know, you serve who you want to serve, but as for me and mine, we are going to serve the Lord. And it, I, I kind of read the Bible sometimes and look for what they don't say. And I think he's saying, you know, or else, whatever, you know, that's kind of what I get from that. He's like, you do, you do you, but this is what we're doing. The question we have to answer this year for our lives and for our families is, can we say the same? Like, and I don't, I'm not stepping on toes with that, but can you say the same? And if not, today's the day that you can start that change. You know, whether you're not married, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, whether you got some nieces and nephews, whether you don't have any of those things, but maybe you're a school teacher or you're in the workplace, somebody somewhere is following you as the leader. Somebody somewhere is following you. Uh, we're going to kind of pretend that we're in a wedding for a moment. This next passage that I'm going to share, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard it. Uh, Mark 10, 7, 9, Jesus says this, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. It is no longer me, mine, me, mine. It is now us, ours, us, ours. We make decisions together. I don't make decisions without you. The right hand and left hand got to work together or you're going to have a problem. You know, uh, there, there are so many things that come in and distract us from the family unit that we are supposed to have, whether it's outside forces, whether it's somebody at work, 
whether it's somebody on Facebook, amen, wherever somebody might be, you have a responsibility at home if you are married. Yes. If you're married, that's where your responsibilities lie. And here's the thing, you, you decide your finances together. Yes. You decide what new house you're buying together. Now, I'm not saying one per, both people have to run the spreadsheets for the budgets, but you decide where the stuff goes together. You decide where you, you know, you've got to have fun together too. You can't just be a boring marriage and expect it to last 50 years. You've got to have a good time. You know, sometimes that means doing things you don't want to do. Like me, I go on vacation the same place every single year. And I hate it. I hate the beach. I do. I hate the beach so much. Sand gets in everything. It comes home with me. I find it in my shoes three months after we got home. I don't like sand. But I love the expression on my wife's face when we go to the beach. Sometimes having fun means doing things that you don't like to do. And sometimes I'm a basketball fan. She don't care nothing about it. She's not a sports fan at any aspect of her life. But she'll watch a game with me now and then. Sometimes you have to compromise on those things. And here's what I want to tell you. We live in a culture that is success-driven. Everybody always wants to uh, work harder, make more money, retire sooner, do this, do that, do that. It seems like we are so goal-driven and success-driven that we're no longer family-driven. And what I want to tell you is that nobody, nobody, nobody on their deathbed has ever said, I wish I'd have spent more time at work. Nobody has ever said that. What do they say? I wish I had spent more time with blank. That's what they say. And here's the thing. If you know that today, you can fix it for tomorrow. You don't have to wait until you're there to figure that out. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 22.6. Let's look at another aspect of the Christian home. Start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, I mentioned that that impact that had been left on my life, right? I mentioned that about uh, uh, Ricky staying with me when I was sick. But another thing you might not know, another thing you might not know is that when I was young, I had a drug problem. Now, it's not the drug problem you think. I promise. I had the problem that I had grandparents and parents that anytime the church doors were open, they drug me through them. (laughs) That was the drug problem I had. You know what I mean? I was drugged to church, kicking and screaming. As a matter of fact, When I was like four or five years old, okay, this is how you know how true a story is when you can tell it like you were there, but you were too young to remember being there. And so when we were kids, we went to church, a church in McDonough, Georgia, right down the street. And uh, there was a time I was just acting the fool. You know, sometimes kids do that. We didn't have Game Boys or, 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 or whatever, you know, the kids are carrying around. You know, we didn't have tablets and switches and all this to occupy us during church. We didn't have any of that. We had to sit there and be quiet. I don't know if you, how much you remember about being a kid, but that's hard. That's hard. And sometimes for the parents, let's just be honest, it's embarrassing. Listen, if you've never been embarrassed, you probably ain't a parent. But here's what happened. She got me up one time. I was just acting the fool. She got me up and she might even pop me. I haven't heard that part of the story, but I know my mom. So she got me up and she marched me down the aisle and walked me out the back doors. And right before we walked out the back doors, I screamed out in the middle of the church service. Y'all pray for me. She's going to kill me. And if you know me, you can imagine that happening. Okay, because if I'm going out, I'm taking somebody with me. 
But she takes me out the back door and, and, and one of the most well-meaning, uh, and I, I, wish, I wish I could remember his name, but this amazing gentleman, he got up, he was one of our ushers and he followed my mom out. He was a friend of the family. So, you know, he was kind of going with the joke, thankfully. And she goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just making sure you don't kill him. Like he had my back. That was cool. That was cool. But here's what I will tell you. All of those years in church, whether I was kicking or screaming when I was being drugged in and out the doors, I will never, never, never take those years for granted because they made me who I am today. Not that I've arrived, but I could be a lot farther from the line than I am. We have to set the example. You know, I remember seeing my parents serve in the church and seeing my dad lead the worship team in, in, in early years and, and seeing my mom serve in various ways. And we have got to model and set an example of what serving others looks like at home because the kids remember it when they're grown. They remember what that looks like. And speaking of our next generation, uh, this service, uh, you, you may have seen, uh, there was uh, two, two ladies on the stage and they kind of dressed similar. They're actually mother and daughter. Uh, that's Tisha and Cece. Yes. So speaking of next generation, that is what it looks like to model. Now listen, some of y'all can't sing. So you don't need to come up on stage and sing. But I can't, okay? I'm one of them. I'm one of them. But, but some of us, you know, we don't need to do that. But there are other things that you can do with your kids to set an example. We believe in the next generation. We as a church, your church, believes in the next generation. And we do so unapologetically. And it's in that spirit that I just want to let you know that this coming Friday is actually the 38th anniversary of uh, National Sanctity of Life Day. It's something President Reagan instituted back during his presidency 38 years ago. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to pray on Friday. Join your church. Pray on Friday for young parents, young people, young singles who are making some of the hardest decisions of their life right now. Pray that they will be influenced and, and wisdom will be given to them by the people who love them and that the Holy Spirit will minister to them. That's what I want to ask for you for this Friday. Another way that you as a parent or as just someone that others look up to uh, that you can set an example and set the stage for, for a better tomorrow is by taking the next step of faith of baptism. And that is a big deal for your kids to see you celebrate. You know, have you ever noticed how sometimes your kids will wait and see you do something before they do it because they don't know if it's safe. They don't really know what it means. They haven't learned that yet. And so if that's you, if you've asked Christ into your heart and, and you're walking in a saved and sanctified life and you're ready to take your next step of baptism. I just want to ask you to check that box on your connection card and I'll personally reach out to you to help set that up this week. Amen. 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 Number two is this next place I can serve is in my church, Amen. in my church. You hear us talk about growth track all the time at SCC. We talk about growth track, growth track, growth track, just like we talk about impact team, impact team. Maybe you're wondering what that is. I'll just make it real simple for you. Overall, it's a, it's a set of classes that helps you discover your purpose, what God put in your heart, your spiritual gifts. You learn about the church. You can decide to become a member and you can get involved and make an impact. That's what growth track is. And as I look around the room, I see a lot of people who have gone through the classes and they're making an impact. They're making a difference. 
there are even opportunities for them. I know many, many people, probably two thirds of the church are watching online. And I just want to say first, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining. Uh, we, there, are, there are so many Sundays we can feel your presence here. Even if you're not here, we know, we know you're amen and as hard as everybody else is. And, and we just want to make sure you know there are ways for you to serve online as well. All you have to do is check that box and we'll get with you on what those next steps are. First Peter, you know, many people wonder what are my spiritual gifts and Peter speaks into that. First Peter 4 and 10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. He doesn't say have them just in case you ever need them. He says, use them. God has given you gifts. If you're not using them, what are you doing with them? Use your gifts to serve the kingdom and to build that and to give that opportunity for a better life. And one of, the, one of the great gifts that God has given us is the ability to be made right in his sight because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's a gift that he's given us that's not a short-term gift. It's not a long, you know, it is, it's the long-term gift. It's not a short-term and it's not just for a season or just for a moment of need. But it's a gift that you can have for all eternity. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I'll ask the same for everyone watching at home. But if that's you today, I want you to pray that with me. And I want you to check the box on whatever form of connection card you're using so that we can pray and pray for you and resource you. Father, thank you. Uh, uh, God, I know that I've made mistakes in my life. I know that I am not perfect. I have sin in my life. And, and, and I know I probably will again. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross so that I can be saved and made right with you. I want to live a better life and I want to do your will. And I ask for that forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If that's you, I just want to welcome you into the, God, in, into the family of God. And that's one of the biggest decisions. That is the biggest decision. Matter of fact, it's the only decision that you'll make that will still matter in a thousand years. Yes. It's that decision. Galatians 6.10, the apostle Paul writes, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. Amen. So what is the household of faith? That's the local church. If you're watching from four states away and your church doesn't have online service and you can't attend, that's your local church. Find a way. If you're here, that, this is your local church. Find a way because the, I love the fact that he uses the word opportunity because we say we exist to give people an opportunity for a better life. Amen. And you do that when you serve, whether you help somebody find a seat in this auditorium, whether you help somebody check in their child to go to a service so that they can come in here and learn. You're giving them an opportunity for a better life. You're doing your part, using your gifts to offer that opportunity. And before anybody thinks, before anybody thinks, well, there's nothing I could do. You know, if I pass out a program or, 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 or whatever it is that I might do, that, 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 that won't really matter. Well, let me tell you about a gentleman named Alexander Fleming. Alexander Fleming, regardless of your thoughts or feelings or my thoughts or feelings uh, on, on antibiotics or, or their use in today's society, there is no denying that the, the uh, uh, discovery of penicillin has saved hundreds of millions of lives. Yes. It's increased life expectancy. It's, it's, it's done all these things. And all of that was done from a guy who believed in God was not active in his faith. He wore a lab coat. He sat in a room all by himself with a moldy piece of bread. If God can do that with him, yes. 
what can he do with you? If God can do that with a moldy piece of bread and a guy in a stuffy lab coat that barely believes, what can he do with an on-fire follower of Jesus Christ that wants to share the gospel with the world? What can he do? Just imagine, just imagine what he can do for you. Proverbs 27, 17. Love this passage. We're, we're moving into a season of small groups and, and, and you can... Uh, Find that on your connection card if you're watching online or if you're doing a digital connection card. Uh, you, your program should have had some available small groups because being in the church is more than just serving in the church. It's also embracing the community within these walls and finding people to do life with. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. There's so much I could say about this verse today, but here's what I just want to tell you. I am a testament. I am a walking, breathing testimony. Do you know, before my wife and I came back to church and got strong within our faith and started taking Jesus seriously as adults, we went to a small group before we came to a church service. We found that community before we became a part of the bigger community. Amen. The best friends I have in my life, I have through serving and through small groups. They are the deepest, most honest relationships. I'm a better man. I'm a better Christian. I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. My wife has a better life and my son has a better life because of serving in small groups. Amen. Cannot overemphasize those. Moving on, number three. Number three is this, the third place you can make an impact in my community. After all, we are Stockbridge Community Church. Amen. We're meant to do more than just what we do here. We were called to do more than what we do here. Jesus was speaking one time to one of his disciples about the final judgment. Okay, like revelations has played out. Armageddon has happened. There's one final judgment. Jesus is speaking on the rewards for those who had fed him when he was hungry, gave him something to drink when he was thirsty, invited him into their home and offered him shelter when he was a stranger, visited him in prison, cared for him when he was sick, clothed him when he was naked. The list goes on, all of these things. And all they could say is, Jesus, we've been, for you for th we've been with you for three years. When did we do any of those? We didn't, they had never done any of those things. This is what he replied about what will be said in that final judgment. In Matthew 25, 40, he says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. What was he saying there about the least of these? He, when you do it to me, he was saying, when you do it for the people that I love, you're doing it for me. And he loves people that aren't saved yet. Amen. When you're doing it for the people that I love, you're doing it for me. And one thing that just, it, it stuck on me from this verse is the least of these. Who are the least of these? You know, it's not, it's not the people who already have him. Who are the least of these? And it made me think it's not people who are literally less than others, but it's the people who are typically overlooked by others. It's the people who are down and out. It's the people who've made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and every family member they have has written them off. Look, some of y'all are here today. There are people in this room and watching online. You've been written off by somebody. To somebody, you have been the least of these. 
But when somebody offered that care for you, they did it. And it was just like they were doing it for God. I mentioned earlier that we were honoring Dr. King's legacy tomorrow at SCC. And in Montgomery, Alabama in 1957, he said this. He said, one of life's most urgent and persistent questions is what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? Who are you serving? Who are you serving that you don't have to serve is what he's saying. What are you doing for others? I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that goes out and ministers to the least of these. You know, we leave here once a month to go do Serve Saturday. And we go do things like, uh, it's like local missions work. And it's usually the first Saturday of the month. And we do things like go out and we serve with ministries like For Sarah that, that take women in who are trying their best to escape the, the adult industry and sex trafficking. And, and they have unexpected children. And they're caring for those people and showing them that there's a better way. And we've gone and been able to serve them and done, done housekeeping, build shelves, painted rooms so that when they come home at the end of every day, they can feel the same, the same sense of pride that you do every day. Amen. We go out and we serve, uh, we, we serve at places like a friend's house where kids whose parents cannot legally be with them to care for them are finding care and feeling uh, uh, the love of God in a practical way through people ministering to them and offer them shelter and a safe place. We go and we serve them. We go out and we serve places like the Dream Center where we went earlier this month and we send people there and everybody starts. This is a beautiful thing where everybody starts in prayer and then they go out to all these different places. They prepare food for the hungry. They prepare clothing. All of the things that, that Jesus mentioned for the least of these, they prepare clothing for the naked, food for the hungry, water for the thirsty. They do all of these things all across the community, including ministering door to door to kids and families. This month, we have an opportunity. Uh, it's actually February. Just a few weeks, we have an opportunity to go do the same thing at the Haven House. And the Haven House brings in victims of domestic violence and shows them, hey, you don't have to be a victim. You can learn how to manage your finances. You can learn how to live in a godly way. And you can walk out of here victorious instead of victimized. That's what we get a chance to go do. And that's your church. If that doesn't give you some, a sense of pride, I don't know what will. There was another night where Jesus was at dinner. Have you ever noticed that Jesus did most of his ministry over a meal? You know, church people love to eat. Just going to be honest with you, you know, just saying. Some of the best things happen over a meal, don't they? Some of the best family memories happen over a meal. And some of the best lessons that Jesus taught happened over a meal. Here's what's crazy about the meal I'm about to share with you is that it was actually at a Pharisee's house. And I don't know if you know what a Pharisee is, but they were kind of the bad guys in the gospel story. They were misguided. They were hung up on their religion and they thought they, they stood against everything that Jesus stood for. Verse 15 says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. He was talking about himself. Jesus corrected him and kind of replied with the story. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, if you've ever invited a bunch of people to a party and not many of them showed, you're going to feel this guy's pain because what happened is his servant went out and came back and told him that everybody was making excuses. Yeah. But remember, one guy got, he bought a field. 
Well, the field's going to be there tomorrow. Why can't he come to dinner? What's he going to do with a field? It's after dark. Another guy had bought some oxen. He wanted to make sure they can plow right. They didn't plow at night. He just didn't want to come. Now, the third guy, he got married. And, well, if we're being honest, I think we can give the married guy a pass. He just got married. He's probably got some stuff he's, probably got, some stuff he's got to attend to. All right, he couldn't be there. We can give him a pass. But he's the only one. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And what was he saying? Go get the least of these. Go get those who are overlooked. I've invited all these people that love me and support me, and they're supposed to be my people, but if they don't want to see it, we're going to find somebody who does. That's what he said. Here's what was so crazy is after all of that, there was still room. God's wisdom and, and his divine providence, there was still room. So what did he do? What did he do? Verse 23, then the master told his servant, go out. So he'd already pointed this way. Now he's going to point this way. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited gets a taste of my banquet. If you've read much in the Bible, you kind of start to pick up that Jesus often talked about the kingdom of heaven through stories. He wasn't talking about a real dinner party or a real landowner that invited people. He was talking about if the people that say they love me don't want a seat at my table, then I'm going to find a place for the people that need what is going on in this room. That's what he was saying, church. That's what he was saying. He was saying that somebody out there needs what's in here. And Jesus knew that what the world needed was him. It needed more of him. It needed him in their daily lives. It needed the sacrifice he was just about to go make on all of our behalf. That's what the world needs. In a world that's just turned upside down and everything's falling apart and no news media has good things to report and no social media has good things at all. In that world, he is saying that they need me. They need what's in this house. And if the ones I've already told about it don't want it, we're about to feed the neighborhood. That's what Jesus said. You know, they're about to sing a song that I just love called world needs Jesus. You've probably heard it a whole bunch of times. Let me just share with you a little bit about what this verse says. Let me share with you this. I know that I need you, Jesus. It's personal. And I know this heart needs healing. Y'all, there ain't a heart on the planet right now that couldn't use a little bit of healing. So from my knees, I lift this prayer to you, my Savior for my life and for the world. You are the answer. Jesus, you are the answer. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and then I'm going to pray and we're going to go into worship. And when you sing these words today, whether you're home sitting all by yourself, whether you're in this room sitting with everybody else, I just want to ask you to sing this like you mean this. Don't just sing it. It's not just a useless platitude. The world needs Jesus, and we have a mission. We have an obligation to tell people out there what's going on in here. And don't forget, don't forget, 
starts at home. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the sacrifice Jesus made for each and every one of us, even those of us who don't even know it. God, I thank you for the hearts and the passion that are willing to go and minister to the least of us because the truth of the matter is all of us are the least of us. God, I I thank you for this opportunity to be here and to share your word. And I just pray that it's received because we have a mission to give people an opportunity for a better life through Jesus. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.